welcome back to Mad Movie Reviews, where we talk about, well, you probably already guessed it, movies. These are movies that we thought were great, good, but were just plain terrible. I am your host, Michelle, and I am here with my co-host, Dave. Today, we are talking about the movie Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Dave asked me if I had ever seen it, and I told him yes, but upon watching the movie, nothing seemed familiar at all. I realized that, no, I have never seen this movie, so this is a first impression for me. That movie is a classic. It's definitely a must-see if you haven't seen it. Please go watch Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. It's definitely worth the watch. We're just going to go ahead and just start off by saying this movie hits the ground running. It's a lot of back and forth, and then the story comes together in a really cool way. It starts off with the street hustle. They're selling these boxes on the streets. And honestly, I don't really know what's in the boxes, but he starts off saying that none of the boxes are empty. No one sells an empty box except for The Undertaker. Jason Statham, he's one of the main characters. His name is Bacon, but we're just going to go ahead and call him Jason Statham because he's Jason Statham. I think he was selling jewelry. But then the cops come and they run him off, and that starts the movie off with action. There's a lot of characters in this movie. It all ties in together. So once again, Jason Statham is bacon. You got Tom, the businessman. Soap is the butcher. And the Baptist is the muscle. And he looks like white version of George Foreman to me. Who else is in Oh, Nick the Greek. You got Eddie, the card player. He's also in the beginning with Jason Statham or Bacon doing the little street hustle selling the merchandise that they got from Tom the Businessman. So let's just go through the story and we can put everything in perspective and put things together. But we gave you some names to follow throughout as we go. The four main characters are Bacon, Eddie, Tom, and Soap. Who are trying to hustle and get 25 grand each. Eddie can enter into this card game with Harry, who is the... Hatchet Harry, the main henchman. He's the big bad of the movie. Eddie specializes in cards. He counts cards in his sleep. They know he can win. They get in for 100 grand. They'll all be set for life if they win this table match. Which I didn't understand. I was like, why are they playing this game? But Dave explained to me, they're playing this game so they can get money. Let the good life. They bring the money to Harry so they can enter the game. Then we're at a Mary Jane lab. Winston is in charge. And he's very big on security. So right at the door, they have this iron cage that the other guys don't leave locked. And they let people walk in. And he's like, why do we even have this? Why do we even have security? Is to protect us. You need to start locking his cage and not just let people walk in. Yeah, there's this fertilizer guy. That was pretty funny. And the reason why I'm calling him fertilizer guy is because he's holding fertilizer. And he also has this woman who seems like she's heavily intoxicated. Yeah, she's just lit. She's on a cloud nine and he's walking around at night carrying a huge bag of fertilizer. You can't be any less inconspicuous than that. So people can put two and two together. Why are you walking around with this girl on cloud nine carrying a huge bag? bag of fertilizer and you can kind of say this is the house that they're probably doing stuff that you're not supposed to be doing stuff in what was he supposed to get he wasn't supposed to get the fertilizer he was supposed to get something completely different but he came back with a bag of fertilizer i think he was smoking a little bit too much Mary yeah too. way too much now we meet big chris who has a son little chris big chris settles debts for harry and they show you in this scene what big chris does for harry by him going to a tanning salon and beating up this man john telling him that he needs to give Harry his money. But this scene was actually funny because he kept on lifting up the tanning bed and slamming it down on John's face. Every time John would talk, he would just slam it down. That was funny. And little Chris was there too, right? Yeah, he made little Chris collect the money. Little Chris was his partner. It was probably around 12, 13, but it was bad. They dressed alike too. They both had the little matching leather jackets, like the whole Hitman looking style. So that's what they remind me of. Little Hitman Chris's. Like I said, this movie goes back and forth a lot. Now we're at a bar that Eddie's dad owned and I'm sitting here watching and I'm 
like, is that a sting? And Dave's like, I don't know. I'm like, let me go to IMDb, my trusted source for all things movie and TV shows. Pulled it up. And yeah, Sting is playing Eddie's father. He has a name in the movie, but I am just going to call him Sting. So this is first where we're introduced to the bar. This is the main hangout spot for the four main guys. You think I would know who Sting is? I heard Sting. I know he's popular. Back to Harry. He has a muscle man called the Baptist. Harry attempt to hire some guys to steal these two guns. They're antique, old-fashioned guns. He wants them for his collection. And also, the name is the Baptist is because he's Hatchet Harry's right-hand man. He's known for putting in work, and he holds people underwater. So he baptizes them, looks at his watch, pulls them up right before they pass out. He's got the name the Baptist from there on. So Harry has a good muscle tee. The Baptist guy hires these two goofy guys who I am going to call Dumb and Dumber because I still have no idea what their names were in the movie. Do you know? I have no idea. Dumber and Dumbers, that kids. Dumb was the little guy and the bigger guy with poopy hair is dumber. The card game is starting. The game is set up in a boxing gym and they're actually playing in a boxing ring, which I thought was really cool. I liked that setup. Yeah. Next scene, Dumb and Dumber are robbing the house to get the two guns for the Baptist. Dumber gets to one of the rooms in the house and he has one of the owner's toes in and he was burning them. So you got these two senior citizens tied up in the bed and the old guy's feet are on. He's wiggling his toes like crazy while Dumber is actually burning him. I guess Dumb tells him, why do you have to do this every time? So I guess this is like his thing. He likes burning toes. Yes. And this time they don't realize that there's another resident in the home. He's following them up the stairs when they go to the bedroom. While Dumb is talking to Dumber by the door, he turns around and knocks the guy out. The shotgun goes off and you think for a second that Dumber just got his head blown off, but it looks like it just parted straight through the middle. But along the way, he got some kind of temporary brain damage because in the very beginning, only one guy wore the actual ski mask. They had like stockings over their face and he was trying to give Dumber a stocking, but he didn't want to mess up his hairdo because he spent so much money on this. So he actually went in without the face covering and it looks like his expensive thousand dollar hairdo actually saved his life. It looks just like a poofy afro. The next scene, the Baptist is helping Harry cheat in the card game, which Eddie has no idea. The Baptist was watching like with a little hidden camera. He knew Eddie had two sixes. He had this little thing he would tap and it would send a vibrational signal to Harry and he was telling him he has two sixes. Now that Harry knows that he's going to win, he puts all his money in, but Eddie gets a little bit suspicious. He doesn't want to put his money in. He knows he has the hand of a lifetime and he's got to win this. There's no way that Hatchet Harry would take a risk like this. So even though he has his 250000 he's going all in. There's no way Hatchet Harry is going to commit to this, but he does. And since he commits to it and increases it, Eddie has to come up with another 250000 Hatchet Harry takes it a step further. And what does he do? He wanted Eddie to stay in the game. He said, I'll loan you that $250,000 to play this hand. And Eddie said, okay. Not only if you lose now, you don't just owe 250000 you owe 500000 Of course, Eddie loses the game because it's rigged. He has a week to pay Harry the five hundred grand. If not, the Baptist is taking fingers. His homeboys are mad. Because they're involved. We'll call them squad. Because he knows that the squad, which consists of Bacon, Tom, Soap, and Eddie, all put in money for Eddie to play. They're all responsible. They're going to take fingers from the whole squad every yeah. day that is not paid. Now the squad needs a plan. They need a way to get this money so they can pay Harry. They want to acknowledge to the viewers how crazy Harry is. He's so crazy that he beat a man up with a sex toy. So they're like, we need to get this money because he is crazy. So now a new character enters and his name is Dog. He's torturing these men. 
because he's trying to get their money. One is hanging up from the door and the other one's tied up. The guy that's tied up on the floor, he has him sticking his tongue out, holding a golf ball as a tee while dog hits him as hard as he can at the other guy that's hanging nude upside down. His name's Gordon until Gordon tells him where that money is. So these guys are stick up kids. They're hard trained stick up kids and they go around just robbing people who have cash and drugs. So now we're back at Mary Jane's house where they have a lot of money stashed. Dog knows this. So he sends a snitch's name. It's like he pretends to be buying drugs so he can see their setup and where their money is stashed. And once again, when Plank goes to that house, he just walks right in because they don't have this iron bar secured. Winston Weed House guy is just, why do we have security if you just let people walk in? He comes all the time. I don't care. Don't let this guy just walk in. Plank goes and tells Dog what he saw at their setup. Eddie is in his apartment. Was that an apartment? Because it was like really bad apartment. Yeah, Eddie has a little trashy apartment. And he says the reason in the beginning why he has that. It's basically to save his money and things like that. He has one of the crappiest apartments ever while he's at the apartment. The walls are really thin. He doesn't know Doug and his crew, but he can hear through the wall that they're going to go ahead and rob that Mary Jane house. Before this, he was just going through a very emotional time because the days are ticking away before he has to pay Hatchet Harry back. He's drunk every day. He was actually going back home where he was drunk and depressed and he got his little sign. It went off when he heard this conversation. This is how they saved their fingers in their life. That money. Big Chris and little Chris visit Harry. Harry wants them to go after Eddie and his squad. Why? If they're going to pay the money. He just wants to get them paired because he knows they're going to fail. So deep down inside, he already had a backup plan, which was visiting Steam. The squad comes up with a plan to hit up the Mary Jane house. And they're arguing back and forth. Should they bring weapons? Should they bring knives? Eddie says, no, they need to find a buyer. So they have a plan. Once they get all that cash, they're still going to have a lot of weed that they need to offload they don't have the connections. They need to talk to somebody that can possibly get rid of that weed to transition that over to cash. That's when they get a hold of Nick DeGree to see if he can find somebody that can buy this weed. Tom goes to Nick DeGree because he still wants weapon to use when they hit up the Mary Jane house. Nick DeGree goes to Rory and asks him if he would be interested in buying the Mary Jane. He said yes. I may be interested. But Rory, he is not to be underestimated. He's another crazy character. They tell a story about how he set a man on fire for changing a channel on the TV while he was watching a game at Steam's Bar. The Baptist meets up with Dumb and Dumber. He's getting all the guns that they had stole for their little job that they did when they put senior citizen guy over the burner and burning his toes and when he got the part in the center of the head. So they give him all these brand new rifles and shotguns. The Baptist is looking through like, where's the gun? that I wanted you to get. I wanted the old one so Dumber and Dumber didn't realize that the older guns were going to be of value. Next scene, Tom has the gun. Nick sold them to him for $700. Was it $700 each or just? $700 for both guns. Tom is going to plan with the squad to do this hit with these old antique long barrel guns. It just gets comical and more comical. These guns are so valuable that they have no idea Nick didn't know. Hatchet Harry talked to John the Baptist or John the Baptist. 
<laughs> he talked to the Baptist to get a hold of some guys to steal these guns. And these guys actually ended up selling the guns to the squad who owes Hatchet Harry money anyway. So everything is tied all together. Big Chris visits Dean's bar, tells him, hey, your son only has three days left to pay back this 500 grand or you can sell the bar to Harry. I don't know about you, Dave, but I was thinking that Harry set up Eddie in the card game to get his father's bar. So that was his main goal. Yeah, I think overall, he knew these guys were coming to the table with that 100 grand. And after he took that, we keep saying 100 grand. So just remember, it's 100,000 quid. And if he could take more, he was going to take more. He's a businessman and snake that figured, what else could he take from guys that don't really have anything? I could take his father's bar, which is successful and make more money, residual income along the way. Sting has a choice. It's either going to be his son or the bar. Back with the squad. They set up this whole CIA operation type thing with these microphones next to the vent. So they know every move that the stick up kids are going to make so they can be one step ahead of these guys. Once the stick up kids go in and rob Winston's weed house, they'll be able to get the drop on that. Plank heads to the Mary Jane house to buy some more stash, but Winston's not letting him in because they had a lot of money on the table that they were counting. And he was like, this is just not a good time. But Fertilizer Guy, he's like, no, we know him. It's about the money. Winston tells Fertilizer Guy, okay, fine. Let him in. Keep him in the iron cage cell by the door. When Plank comes in, he's not expecting for the bars to be closed. This part is funny. Plank holds a shotgun up to Fertilizer Guy's head and the Fertilizer Guy faints. Nothing's going as planned. For one, Plank thought he was just going to walk right in like he did before. He's starting to get a little panicky. So the rest of the stick-up kids come in like, what is going on? Winston comes out and Willie is hidden. They're really starting to get pissed. They need to show them they mean business. They take their gun, aim it at the guy, fertilizer on the ground that's passed out, pull the trigger and put a bullet in him. Then Plank tells Dog, where's the third guy, Willie, who was hidden? Winston lets Dog and his friends in. They head into the room. Plank told him that the money was going to be stashed in these boxes and the boxes were completely empty. They're getting really mad because the money's supposed to be there. They learn that the money is in the bag. But here comes Willie. He pops out with a machete and tries to attack Dog and then the guns just go off. Pew, pew. Then Dog wants to kill Willie, but he gets distracted by all the money that he sees in the back. They grab the money and they start putting it in the van. But there's a traffic cop that's out there writing a ticket on a van. They're loading the money in. Remember the girl from the beginning? When Dog and his crew come in to steal the money, she's passed out. He wakes up with a gun in her hand. It just goes blazing off. Off. She hits nobody. Yeah, this was something else that didn't go as part of plan. For one, they thought they were just going to walk in there and not into that iron cage. Also, they had no idea this girl was going to be there because she was only with the guy when he came back with the fertilizer. She was never supposed to be in a picture. They just were always so high. They just forgot about her. And yeah. we forgot about her until she popped up off the couch. Yeah, that scene was really unexpected. I didn't expect her to get up and just start blazing. She's so bad at it. And I think Dog killed her. I just knocked her out. And then we never see her again. Eddie and his squad are in Dog's place next to where Eddie lives. They decide that they're going to stand in different areas and just ambush them when they come in. That's exactly what they do. And then they tie them all up, take the money, take the van, and at this time they don't know that there's a cops inside. So the stick-up crew got stuck up and the squad got away with the plan work to a T. They're pulling off. 
And then all of a sudden, traffic cop pops up in the back. Jason was like looking around in the car and then all of a sudden he was like, who is this? And they're like, is he awake? And he's, yeah. So three of them just start punching him. <laughs> trying to knock the guy out, but it's not working. They beat him up and just dump him on the side of the road. But right before that, it was like a scene switch and then a scene switch. So the first scene switch, Harry's letting Chris know tomorrow's the day. That's their deadline. Be ready to move in. It's going down. That's when the money is due and he knows they're not going to have it. It switches scenes right after that. And now you have Nick the Greek back at Rory's place and he's trying to offload the weed for the money. But today, Rory only wants to pay half that price. Dog is mad. He wants to know how did they figure out his plan. Nick the Greek is sitting in front of Rory and Rory puts this together that the weed that Nick the Greek was selling to him was Rory's weed from the beginning. So Rory actually ran the operation at Winston's weed house. Rory tasted it. Smoke it? He wanted to take it to his guys that could actually sample this and see how great this strand of weed was before he dumped his money into it to buy it. And as he's taking it to the team, he realizes the team that just got robbed, which is Winston's Weed House, who Rory was taking it to to let them test this strand, was the weed that was in his hands to take to these guys. So it was his weed the whole time. That scene was hilarious. Nick was going to get it. Yeah, Rory gave him an option. You got to tell now or you die. This is so silly. They stashed all the money and the Mary Jane in Eddie's apartment. Which is right next door to the place they just robbed. Yeah. They decide to get drink after drink and they're just celebrating a little bit. Too early. Why are they partying? Because they were going to keep their fingers and they were just really happy. Yeah. That was the uh, next day and these guys got the hangover of all hangovers and they're sobering up at the bar. It switches now back to the scene with the stick up kids next door dog and dog is pissed. Dog is arguing with Plank and he throws Plank at the wall but Plank goes through the wall. This is where they see the money and the Mary Jane. And the whole setup too with all the microphones next to the vent and realize they were just robbed by the neighbors next door. It just gets crazier and crazier. The scene switches again. You already feel sorry for Nick. Now you realize Dumber and Dumber sold those guns to Nick who sold them to Tom for 700 bucks and now they know that Nick is involved with the gun that were getting sold. Dog leaves his stick-up kids in Eddie's apartment so they can wait for Eddie and his squad to come back so they can take care of them while Dog takes the money back. After Rory interrogates Nick, he finds out where his money and the Mary Jane are so he heads over to Eddie's apartment. And don't forget, Dog left a team back there to handle Eddie and the squad when they got back, but unfortunately, Rory's coming first. Then a shootout happens. Doug is hidden in the other room. He hears this shootout. He decides to take off, but he has the two guns. Big Chris sees him and knocks him out and takes the guns while Dumb and Dumber are down the street watching everything and they are in shock because they're like, we need to get those guns back to Harry. But at this time, they don't know that Big Chris works for Harry so they decide to take off after Big Chris to get these guns. Also, there was a bag of money that he found with Dog that he took also with the two guns that he was going to go ahead and give to Hatchet Harry as well. Dog wakes up from being knocked out by Big Chris, takes off, and then he gets hit by a car and then steals that car. At the shootout, everyone is dead. The Mary Jane guy is with Rory. He gets all the money and the Mary Jane back. 
So after all this drama took place, the squad pulls up and they see the house is just in shambles. Everything is just torn up. They find Rory's team along with Rory is dead. All the stick up team minus dog, of course, are inside and they're dead. They're like, okay, at least there's not a problem here until they realize there's no money. There's no weed. And again, they are screwed. Yeah. And they're in panic mode now. Now, next scene with Dumb and Dumber, they see Big Chris take the guns into this building, but they have no idea who Big Chris is bringing these guns to. So Dumber decides to go in the building and kill whoever has those guns. Dumb and Dumber are heading to the door. Dumb has his gun out and he busts through the door. Harry is holding a shotgun. It takes out Dumb. Dumber goes crazy and starts blazing and he kills Harry. But he doesn't know that the Baptist is also in the office. So he gets axed in the back, then shoots the Baptist and all of them are dead. But before Dumb and Dumber come to Harry's office, Harry's talking with the squad telling them to meet up so he can figure out how they got the gun. Because he realized Chris told him that they were going to pay him the money. He had dropped the bag of money on the desk and Harry, even though he's evil, he's a man of honor and he figured, okay, they were going to pay me back the money, but I still need to know how did they get these guns that I wanted from the beginning. So he tells Eddie and the squad to stop by so we can have a discussion about these guns. The next scene is Big Chris heading back to the car, but then you see Dog has Little Chris hostage. So it's switching back and forth between various scenes. So after Chris sees Little Chris held hostage with a knife to his neck, it switches back to the squad inside and they realize, wait a minute, Harry's gone. The Baptist is gone. The guns are on the table. The money's here. So no more Harry, no more debt, no more problems. Eddie thinks they may be in the clear. They grab that money and they're heading out, but Tom stays back and he's got an eye on those guns because why? Tom wants that $700 back. We see Big Chris crashes the car. Then he pulls Dog's head halfway out the door and just starts smashing his head in with the car door. Big Chris and Little Chris were both bubbled up. So while they were being held hostage and Big Chris was supposed to take Dog to go get the money, he's pulling off and he's driving, he's flooring that gas and just crashes into a parked car. And that's what kind of sends Dog flying up front where he just gives him the headache of all headaches. Tom is still in there because he wants those guns and he holds them up to Big Chris. But Big Chris, I have this money. Tom is okay. I'm going to take these guns. And then Eddie gets arrested. But the cop that was in the back of the van doesn't recognize Eddie. So he gets out of the jail and Sting picks him up and tells him that he needs to get his life together. The squad are in the clear. So they think because Tom was supposed to get rid of the gun, but he really wants that $700 back. And the guns are the only thing that can link this whole crime together. Eddie was able to walk away out of jail, but the only thing that can get the entire squad locked up is that they were able to piece together these two guns that Tom never got rid of. But they make him get rid of it. They're like, you go right now and you go get rid of it. Big Chris visits them at the bar and gives the boys back the bag of money, or so they think is money. Chris no longer has an employer, so he has to take out enough money for him and little Chris to survive. And he said, we're just going to split this even. There's going to be an even split. So he sets the money down on the table. And in theory, you think, okay, it's going to be 250000 in there. But instead of 250000 in there, there's just a pamphlet that shows the two old guns that they had that they bought for 700 in the beginning are in this book. There's no money. There's only these two guns. They see the worth of the guns and they're like, we need to call Tom and tell him not to get rid of the guns. Tom at a bridge, he's throwing the guns over, but they hit the ledge. They're trying to call him and they're arguing because the phone died. Yeah, the phone died and they realize he's about to not throw over $700 and possibly getting them locked up, but he's 
throwing away $500,000 worth of inventory, those guns. They need that. One of the squad members was like, it's okay, I got it. I'm going to call him. But in the next scene, Tom has the phone in his mouth, but then he's bending over to grab the guns and the movie ends. So you have no idea if he got the call or if he threw the guns over or did he get the guns and they all split the money. You have no idea what happens because that's how they end the movie. Yeah, because he was hesitant. He didn't want to throw them over. He still wanted his $700. He doesn't know how much these guns are worth. He happened to throw it over the ledge thinking, okay, he did his part, but then he never heard the splash. So like Michelle said, they were just hanging off the ledge. So he's trying to reach down there. And as he's reaching, his phone is falling out. He doesn't want his phone to fall into the water. So he puts the phone in his mouth. He's holding on to the top of the bridge as he's reaching with his other hand to push the bag. And that phone rings and he kind of looks at the hand. He can't let the hand go because he'll fall in. He's looking at the bag. Should he just push the bag in and then answer the phone? Or should he just answer the phone and push the bag in? And we're left with that type of cliffhanger. I like to believe that he kept the gun. I think at that point, he was probably just going to push that bag over, pull himself up and answer that phone. And I think with the luck those guys had, that's how it's going to end. Yeah, yeah, they didn't have the best of luck. I really want to know if they got it or if they didn't. One of my favorite things to do is go to IMDb and read the trivia. Today, I want to tell you that when I was looking under Jason Statham, which I'm going to say that this is the very first film where I saw Jason Statham not play Jason Statham because usually he's playing a character in Transporter or he's really good at fighting and combat and all that stuff. And in this movie, he plays a different sort of character because he's not as badass as he usually is in other type of movies. This was actually his film debut. Yeah, this is where I originally seen him appear in. So one of the first films where he's kind of, he has a funnier character role and he's not the main character. Altogether, I loved it. I thought it was a classic. I think it's a good movie. Everyone should definitely check that out. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Also, this was Vinnie Jones' film debut as well. But did you know that Jason Statham was a dancer before he started making movies? What kind of dancer? I don't know. Let me show you. He was wearing a leopard speedo in one of these videos. Nah, someone photoshopped that. No, I'm being serious. When I saw it, I was like, what? No. Okay, let me let me go down here and show you. He was actually in three music videos before he got his film debut. In two of them, he was a dancer and one of them, he was a swimmer. But here he is in this leopard speedos. Wow. Wow. Jason Statham was a backup. He looks like... Magic Mike. Not Magic. He looks like one of the... He looks like how MC Hammer was in Pumps in a Bump. Yeah, guys. He's oiled up wearing leopard print speedos just head to imdb scroll all the way down and you'll see the video it's called the shaman coming on i just thought that was very interesting so here are some trivias that i read off of imdb the film was dedicated to lenny mclean who played barry the baptist he died of lung cancer exactly one month before the film's premiere which is actually quite sad because he didn't get to see the success of this film vinnie jones first day of filming he had just been released from police custody and he had been arrested for beating up his neighbor. I could see that. He he fits the roles that he plays. Every 
movie I've seen him in, he's whooping somebody's butt. I can definitely see that. We didn't mention this in our recap, but in the very first scene when Nick the Greek meets with Rory, he actually breaks his coffee table. And they said that it was not in the script. It was actually an accident and Guy Ritchie decided to use it in the final cut. Guy Ritchie is the writer and director of this movie. This is the first film he's written and directed. And Dave, did you know that they also made a show? No, I didn't. How nice is that? The first movie and it comes out to be a nice classic like this. The TV series came out in 2000. There was seven episodes and it was called Lock, Stock, the series. And it has like a 7.4 rating. And Any of the same actors in there? No. Only one of the episodes was written by Guy Ritchie. Hmm. And it's basically four friends that are always getting involved in scams and schemes to make some quick money while trying to stay on the right side of the local crime lord. Of course, like the movie, nothing ever goes to plan. Is there anything you want to add? Yeah, I give it a 9.25. I think it was a great movie. And if you haven't seen it, this is the third time I'm saying it. Make sure you go check it out. This is definitely going on our hall of fame for movie classics. Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. I actually didn't want to see this movie, but I'm glad I did. I'm glad Dave talked me into it because I thought it was a really good movie. Until next time. Bye.